My dad was the one who was um, had a green card, who was legal. But by the time he applied for us, it took forever for us to be able to get our legal status. And even with that, he was just kept telling me, look, there's so much opportunity. There's so many things that you can do in the U.S. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could achieve it if you want to. So those things were embedded in me from the day that I came to the U.S. And, and I believe them. My dad kept impounding in me that this is the land of opportunity. You're going to become whoever you want to be. You're going to become this big thing. And he kept telling me that I'm going to be this big thing. I never even knew what it was, but I knew I believed him. Whatever he tells me, I was just like, okay, I'm going to be this big thing. Whatever that big thing is, I didn't know. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 222. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Doing pretty well. What's going on with you? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, just thinking through uh, year-end stuff here. We get pretty busy this time of year, and you know we got a lot of a uh, lot of things on the horizon. Exciting for uh, 2022, man. We're starting off with a bang, and yeah, this is the time. If you work in accounting and finance, you're like, uh oh, here it comes, right? Busy season coming up, and longer hours, and trying to finish up year-end things. So yeah, yeah, getting, getting we're busy, busy now in the winter. Yeah, totally. So we we got a listener question actually this last week from a, a, a gentleman. So yeah, the message. Let me just read the message real quick. The emails from Kevin. It says, "I wonder if you know how many active duty millionaires there are. I am trying to encourage young sailors to maximize their TSPs. Granted, I'm an officer and have maximized it since I was allowed to do so in the military at the end of 2003." I don't know the numbers. I did a quick Google search. I don't know if that, that'll be any accurate, so I'll just refrain from trying to guess. But TSP, Thrift Savings Plan. So obviously, Jace and I uh, don't use one, but just kind of we did a little research just to talk about it because I don't think we've talked about it uh, much on the show. But it says a Thrift Savings Plan is similar to a 401k, but is only open to federal employees and uniformed services personnel. And like a 401k, They have a a Roth or not every 401k, but some 401ks, you have a Roth and traditional options. So you can get your your tax breaks. You can invest either method, Roth or traditional. um, And it's kind of the government's version of the 401k. So oftentimes when we've had military personnel or those that work on the uh, in government on our show, they've talked about investing in their TSP. So thrift savings plan, that's a little bit about what that's all about. Awesome. Last week's episode, we had Melissa. She recently retired just before 50. She's single, never married, no kids. She had a net worth of $2 million. We discussed her story journey as a single female with a corporate career while using real estate and other investments to put her in a position to retire before 50. This week, we have Martine. She's a Haitian immigrant and has one of the most remarkable stories we have ever heard. She worked through numerous challenges to overcome the odds and succeed not only financially, but in life. She has a net worth of just over one point five million dollars and is a chiropractor. As I think about launching hers, you know, when we first started the show, what, four and a half years ago or so, November of 17, at least for me, it was more interesting to hear, hey, how did these people invest, right? Because we didn't have access to that. 
And that's a little bit, I think, why we initially started it. But over time, I think for both of us, it's become hearing stories, right? Totally. What are these people about and what have they done and how did they get to where they are and what's their mistakes and what can we learn from them? What's the successes that we can pick up and, you know, kind of copy or emulate in our lives and just hearing and connecting with other people. And this is a story that I think both of us would agree is just remarkable. It's one of our favorite stories in terms of how she was able to persevere and succeed and just remarkable what she was able to go through. She had a teenage pregnancy early and lived with her dad in New York, I believe. So just going through all of that, overcoming the odds and, and now getting to where she has, is just, just a remarkable success story for her. Yeah, it's very humbling. So we're super excited to, to launch it this week. Without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Martine. Martine, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yes, as I uh, said in my bio, I was born in um, Haiti, and everyone now, especially being, um, if you listen to the news, everyone knows that Haiti is a, is a very poor country. I came to the U.S. when I was 13 years old, and my family and I settled in Brooklyn. I am now a chiropractor, and I've been a chiropractor for about 12 years, 14 years, can't count, about 10 to 12 years. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? It's about 1.5. And how is that broken up? It's broken up into uh, into a property that's worth about, last I checked, was about 356000 Okay. And the business is worth about six twenty five. And I have an investment property the, the, where I practice. Um, it's worth about two eighty. And I have a SEP account that's about 155000 I have an IRA account that has about $50,000 on it and a corporation account for business savings that's 120000 and business checking, about 30000 personal emergency fund, 25000 and um, the rest is this small checking account, about 5000 Awesome. So let's talk just a little bit about the the IRA and the SEP that you mentioned. Did you start those right when you started your business? Actually, no. When I started the business, I had no money. I started the business literally with nothing. So I didn't know what to do. It was probably the year two into the business as I started growing. And I realized that I need to started seeking for advice. And um, I think I went to a meeting with the um, small um, business, uh, just a small local um, business association, and I met someone and he helped me. That person was a personal uh, uh, financial advisor and he helped me set those accounts. Interesting. Okay. So do you invest those in the market then? Yes, those are invested in the market. Those are invested in um, mutual funds mainly. And they are, I do have an advisor that, that manages those, those funds. I don't do my own personal uh, finances. I, I just allocate that to a professional. Interesting. Okay. So let's, let's just rewind here a little bit. Did you have debt coming out of chiropractic school as well? Oh my God. I had a lot of debt. <laughs> I had my chiropractic degree cost me $300,000. Yes, it was very expensive. I had a lot of debt coming out of school and I didn't really have any direction as to what I wanted to do. I worked for people for the first the first four or five years of my career. I worked for others and I realized that was not the best way to go. I really felt like 
having my own practice was what set it up, set it off for me because working for other people were great. I learned a lot. I learned everything that I know in business. I literally would um, credit that to some of the people that I learned along the years, some of the people I worked for. However, in terms of the earning potential, there's no way I could have done what I what I did if I didn't own my own practice. How long did it take you to, to kind of start paying that off or making big chunks of payments on that? Actually, I didn't start until almost about two years ago, aggressively. Oh, wow. I stumbled upon, yes, I stumbled upon Dave Ramsey. It was just so funny because I knew about Dave Ramsey before that. I started uh, Financial Peace University years ago, must have been in 2008. And then I left the program for whatever reason. I don't recall. I don't remember what happened. And I left it after maybe two or three sessions. And I put all the material away and didn't even look at it until my accountant, I wanted to buy a car. What happened was I wanted to buy a car. The car was $90,000. And I thought because I was making some money, everything was going great, that I could afford to buy a $90,000 car. And then my accountant pulled me aside and said, look, you broke. You can't get this car. And the word broke. When she said you broke, and at that time, I think the business may have grossed 300000 or 400000 when she said that. And I was, I, I couldn't believe that with that kind of money, I would be broke. And then when she broke it down and said, look, you have your personal property, it's worth this much, and you still owe money on it. You're paying the bare minimum. You have this this building that you bought for the business, you're still paying the bare minimum, plus you have your student loan. By the time we added up together, it was close to $700,000. And so she said, unless you pay that off and buy that car cash, then you 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 really cannot buy that car. And then that's when she said, well, do you know about Dave Ramsey? And I was just like, wait a minute. I started when she started telling me about the baby steps. And I was like, this sounds familiar. And that's when I recall that I had taken the class years ago and put it put it away. And I went digging into my library. And sure enough, I found the books and I reread it. And I started I was mad. I was really upset because I, to me, I wasted money. I could have instead of you know going on vacations. Mind you, I paid for those vacations cash or whatever I did. I didn't really have. I thought because I was not having consumer debts like credit cards that I was doing well, but really and truly I wasn't. So when she gave me a plan and I then found a a financial advisor that was working with the, with the Dave Ramsey network, I can't, I think they call them um, ELPs. And that's when I started to really tackle the debt. And he put me on a program. He had me pay the the property first. Then the property was then generating income. And I used those income as well as my income to pay my home. Then from after paying my home, we tackled the student loan and with vengeance. And before we know it, in May of this year was what I paid off the entire, all the student loan. And it feels good. Wow. So do you... Any debt now? No debt. No debt. No mortgage. No debt. And I have two properties. One, I I operate one of my offices as well as my personal home paid off. Good for you. That's amazing. That's like Dave Rams talking about gazelle intensity right there. Yes, I did go gazelle intense. (laughs) (laughs) So, Martine, let's back it up here because I want to spend the bulk of this time. I think it's a little bit different than some of our shows. I want to spend the bulk of the time on your story just because I think it's so remarkable. 
and you wrote a, a pretty lengthy email to us in a good way that, that talked about your story and outlined everything that happened up to that debt and paying it off. And in yes. your last line, I, I, I like you said, how is that for an immigrant, a minority woman and a single mom? Yes. So that's going to be the title of this episode, by the way. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but but just, I mean, let's start all the way at the beginning. You came to the U.S. at the age of 14. What do you remember about your life in Haiti and, and coming to the U.S.? Well, my life in Haiti was very happy. I had a very good childhood. I was surrounded by cousins, family members, neighbors um, that were very... Um, it was, it felt like a community in the summers. I would, we would be in the city for school. And in the summers we would spend on with my grandmother on the countryside, very sort of very family oriented life. Very, you know, we, we had, we experienced a lot of family closeness, a lot of, um, great things, you know, seeing, going to the countryside, seeing how things grow, Spending times on a farm with animals, riding riding uh, horses, climbing on trees, really had a wonderful childhood. And coming to the U.S. was just a dream that we all had because my father from that time was living in the U.S. for many years. And we really didn't spend much time. I really didn't spend much time with my dad. The first time I saw my dad, I was six. And I, um, when he, when I was born, he was already living in the U.S. He came here in, the, in 1970. I was born in 71. So he came back to Haiti in 1976. And it was just, we were so happy to spend that time with him. He was so, um, such a, my dad was an educator. He was just always trying to teach, always trying to show us, you know, teaching us something, show us one way, a, a better way of doing something, always learning something from my dad. And coming to the U.S., I experienced my dad differently than when I was a child, because when we came to the U.S., by then I was a teenager and he was very strict. And the structure that he had was just not what I was looking forward to. It was this church, school, and church, and school. Our lives revolve around going to church and going to school. And I didn't expect that. I wanted the same sort of freedom to be able to go on vacation to the countryside, to be able to do the things that we did as kids, to run to, you know, play with different kids in the neighborhood. New York was very sheltered. We had an apartment. The door had to be locked. There was this long bar thing, the security, the, this security rail that you had to put behind the door for extra security. I could not understand why all the hype, why we had to be so closed in and felt like it was a jail. But because of the opportunities that my dad kept impounding in me, that this is the land of opportunity, you're going to become whoever you want to be. You're going to become this big thing. And he kept telling me that I'm going to be this big thing. I never even knew what it was, but I knew I believed him. Whatever he tells me, I was just like, okay, I'm going to be this big thing. Whatever that big thing is, I didn't know. So that was the, the, the difference between being in, the, in Haiti where everything was just so open. And at the time, it wasn't the same political climate as it is now. So we had a whole lot more security. We could go places. We could do things. We could go to the beach. And coming to the U.S. was to me like so, so much restriction. We couldn't go. I couldn't go to the movies without my dad being there. I couldn't see my friends without him taking me 
to their house. It was just the level of freedom that I felt like I had growing up, I didn't have anymore. Yet there was a sense of, still a sense of pride in learning and growing. There was always something and opportunity that he was always telling me, well, you got to learn how to do this because eventually you could you could end up with a job folding clothes. So if you fold clothes, you got to do it well. Or you you got to do it well. If you're sweeping the floor, you got to do it well. Even it's just taking pride in the little job that you do, even cooking, taking pride in cooking because you never know where life will take you. So those were lessons that my dad um, sort of impounded in me from early on. And also the the opportunities that are available in the U.S. Always, and even even though I, you know, and I said that this in my bio, I didn't even have a green card at the time growing up. We got here. My dad was the one who was um, had a green card, who was legal. But by the time he applied for us, it took forever for us to be able to get our legal status. And even with that, he was just kept telling me, look, there's so much opportunity. There's so many things that you can do in the U.S. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could achieve it if you want to. So those things were embedded in me from the day that I came to the U.S. And, and I believe them. Wow. Even now, I, I completely believe. And I, I tell my daughter all the time that, hey, this is a land of opportunity. If I could do as much as I did, even as a single mom, so can you. Wow. And, and and you keep mentioning your father. Was your mother in your life as, at all? My mother, it, it's just I have a, a very unique um, life situation. My mother didn't raise me. My dad and my stepmother raised me. So when I was living in Haiti, I was living with my dad and my mother and my stepmother. And when I came to the U.S., I still came to live with my stepmother and my dad. So my mother, I knew she was my mom, but my stepmother was the one who actually, my dad, my dad's wife, who actually, I'm a love child, by the way. So my my mother, my stepmother is the one who actually raised me gotcha, and okay. my dad. Yes. I just want to read one thing here, a couple sentences, Martine, that you wrote in, and you talked about this a little bit, but I thought this was really well written. You said, my early years in the U.S., my family and I lived way below the poverty line, but I never felt that we were poor because my idea of poverty was in reference to what I saw as a child in Haiti, someone wearing dirty clothes begging for food and money. Our family of four lived in a very small one-bedroom apartment. The building was dilapidated, but we had a home-cooked meal every day. Our clothes were not fashionable, but we were clean and presentable. Our home was warm and full of love. My father told me almost daily how lucky my sister and I were for being in America at such a young age. He told me education was the key to success, and I believed him. Pretty, yes, ama- my, pretty amazing. Very, very amazing. My dad was very, very big on education and uh, knew at this age, at his age, you know, he felt like things were done for him. He didn't have the opportunities that we had and being in the U.S. He came here when he was in his early 40s. And had to provide for a family. So, so things were limited for him, but he r- literally told us that, Hey, this is, this is the line of opportunity almost daily. Um, that you, you can, we can achieve whatever we want in America. There's, you know, the sky's the limit. And really and truly, when you compare, um, the life that we could have had versus the life that we have now in Haiti, there's no way on earth. 
that I could have imagined doing what I did um, or what I'm continuing to do, building wealth, build, you know, building a business for my family, you know, for me and my family, affording, you know, having this lifestyle. There's no way on earth that I could have done it. And trust me, I travel. <laughs> I've seen other places. <laughs> I see other places. There's no, there's no uh, other country like like America. And I, I know that we hear that as a cliche all the time, but it's, it is true. There's no way I have family in Europe. I have friends and family in Africa and South America, Central America, all over, literally all over the world. There's no one that is in a position like I am. Granted, yes, I did go to school and earn a degree that afforded me a certain lifestyle. But even even the family members that I know that are, you know, doctors or the friends that I know that are living outside of the U.S. that are doctors, that are, um, you know, dentists or well within, I mean, well within their profession, they are not doing as we are, as I'm doing here. So I I could speak from experience that this is the best place that I could have lived, that I could have been in. You know, God yeah. afforded me the opportunity to be here. So I have to do the best with what I what I'm what I've been giving. Well, it's an amazing story and an amazing perspective. So thanks again for coming on. But let's take a quick pause in the episode from Martine and thank our sponsor Wix for supporting this week's show. You can use Wix to create a website that you're proud of. So whether you're starting a small business or a blog or something on the side, check out Wix. It's an awesome platform to create your website. It starts at just $14 a month for the combo plan. It's ad-free. It includes hosting and domain rights for one year. So it's easy to use and you can join over 200 million people already using Wix's wide range of solutions to enhance their business. With enterprise-grade security built into every site, you know you're in safe hands. You can manage everything from one dashboard on desktop and mobile so you can be available anywhere at any time, in the office, at home, or on the go. Want to get started? Head over to Wix.com and create your website today. So if you're looking to start a business or a blog or anything on the side, check out Wix. And and we're grateful for them for sponsoring this week's episode. So let's get back into the episode with Martine. Going forward here with school, did you go to high school in the States, college? I I mean, keep going here with with where the education Yes. Education-wise, um, I did complete high school here and from high school went to college. I started at Brooklyn College and um, because my freshman year at high school, I got pregnant. You know, freshman year, didn't really get a chance to to have a whole lot of um, accumulate credits. So I had to go back. And because my status, I didn't have green cards. So I was not, I did not qualify for financial aid. And my dad didn't want to pay because he was paying out of pocket for my tuition. So since I got pregnant, he said, no, he's not paying for my education because I got pregnant. This was my punishment. He wouldn't pay for it. So what I did was I went to work and every chance I get, I would take a, you know, I would take a credit here and there. Sometimes it would take me um, one year before I could complete uh, one class, a three credit hour class. But I did it. I paid for it out of pocket. Eventually, I got my green card when I was about 26, 27. And then that's when I moved to to Atlanta and completed my education there. Martine, how did you persevere through all of this? Oh, gosh. It was it was hard. It was hard. But oh, it, w- it was it was hard. I think not wanting for my child to grow up, not wanting to blame anyone for my shortcoming. Not wanting to 
not succeed because of a decision that I made was really what I kept. And the grace of God, really, because a lot of things I didn't even know I was doing at the time, I didn't even know that this would have propelled me or or changed the trajectory of my life. It was just the grace of God and, and the you know determination to succeed. I didn't want to blame anyone for my failures, for my shortcoming. My daughter was born. I was 19 when my daughter was born and I had nothing. I didn't even have the means to take care of her. But I remember my first job after my daughter was born, I was working at a store and I was earning $150 a week, working 12 hours a day, six days a week as a new as a new mom. And the store was near a school in Manhattan called um, Board of Manhattan Community College, BMCC. And I would see some of my classmates that I went to high school with going to college while I'm working in front of the store. My job was to stand in front of the store to make sure that people are not stealing some of the clothing that they would put out to advertise for, to lure people to go inside the store. And it was a very humbling experience for me to have that job because it taught me that, look, this is where you are now. This is what making those decisions or some of the decisions that you made, this is where you are now, but this is not where you're going to be. So you're going to do the best that you can, but eventually you're going to have to strive and keep keep fighting to get to where you need to go. And that's what I did. After a few months, I quit that job. I found another job. It was just always juggling, always finding, always looking for jobs, always looking for opportunities, always always moving because I couldn't blame anybody. I couldn't blame anyone. I couldn't, you know, I could, I, I could never feel sorry for myself for being in a situation in the situation that I was. I didn't allow myself to have that pity party. Every time I feel like having that pity party, I would just, you know, just say, look, you know, your situation is better than the next person. Cause look at the homeless, look at the people who were born into way different scenarios than you. You're still, you're still living, you're still breathing. You have to keep moving. You have to go forward. And that's what I did. Has your confidence changed or increased over the years as you've been able to, to kind of increase your ability to earn and get that education and everything else? It has been in different ways. It, it has in terms of business. Um, when I started in business, I had, I didn't, I even starting the business was just, was just because of all the pure heartache that I went through in my youth, living in, in New York, being a single mom, really and truly, those were the things that propelled me in business. When I started the business, I had $1,500 to my name and I started the business pretty much went to the landlord and told him, look, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money, but I don't have any money right now. And what I need for you to do is to prorate whatever the rent is, prorate that until the end so that I would be able to to be able to afford this place. And he took a gamble and took a, a gamble at me and gave me the place that I couldn't even afford. Well, I gave him that $1,500 that I had. I just gave him that as a as the first month, last month in security. And I didn't pay any rent until I moved in in March and I didn't pay, I didn't have to pay him until July. And that's pretty much those little situations and those little nuggets of gold, really people taking a gamble at me was pretty much how I I started. It wasn't me. It was just the fact that I was able to tell someone a story 
and this person believed in the story or took a gamble at me and 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 have faith in me to be able to pay him because I, I didn't have any money to, to start. And I, I took the place within three years. I was able to market and build and do what I needed to do. And within three years, I bought the building that I'm currently that I currently practice at. And if this landlord didn't take the chance in me, I probably wouldn't have been able to do all the stuff that I that I that I have done. Is this the you talk about, you know, the the confidence. The confidence could only be gained from different failures or different opportunities that I I rose from, different opportunities that came in and see how God or whatever you want to call it came in and 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 show me a better way of doing things. So you gain the confidence by pretty much succeeding or or remembering, hey, this is where you were. It's not gonna ever be that bad. It's never be it's never gonna be where I'm gonna be working in a store 12 hours a, a day for $150 a week for six days a week. It's never gonna be like that. So that was the past. So I have so much better, better days ahead. So that's pretty much what build the confidence, really. You mentioned your landlord that, that took a chance on you. Are there other key people or, or key moments along this journey that have, have influenced you to, to become what you've become? Absolutely. I have. I had a friend who I worked with for many years. Granted, the relationship did not end well when it came to the business relationship that we had, but she was very influential in terms of teaching me the business. You know how it is when you're in a profession, there is the profession itself and then the business of the profession. So I learned that from her. So she was very influential in teaching me the business. My dad was, of course, very influential. Um, my financial advisor, Matt, he's been very influential in, in terms of teaching me the financial side of things and, and, and the investment, even though I'm in a world that I didn't know when it comes to investing, I know how to save, but I don't, I don't know how to invest. So he has been very influential in terms of teaching me and telling me, Hey, this is the plan. This is why you should do this. This is why you should pay the bis- the, the, the business property first, because that would generate income. You should do this first and pretty much lay out a, a plan and taking the time to be able to do that. So I've been blessed with people that, that really took the chance in showing me how to do things. I have one of my colleagues, one of my, actually my classmate that I went to school with, may he rest in peace, he stands past, um, Ray Huff. He was very influential in terms of pushing me to open the business, even when I didn't want to. He just, you know, kept pushing me. So he was very influential in, in terms of showing me. And of course, my child, my daughter, my young nephews, my nieces, my god, my goddaughter, those are people that they're children or they're younger than me, but they do influence me to do better because I see them, they have better opportunities or a better start than I did. And to me, if I could show them that if I could do it, there's no way that they couldn't do even twice as much as I have done. Yeah, that's awesome. So where do you go from here? Are you trying to target a net worth or do you have some, some grand vision for other things that you want to accomplish in your life now? 
Um, absolutely. I was thinking about retiring early, but there's so much I can't, I can't sit still. So going the business, doing more things, integrating the business, meaning involving or including more services like medical services into the the office is, is the goal now is what I'm looking forward to do. Buying a vacation property, of course, saving for it and buying it cash. Because I'm a, a Dave Ramsey baby. We don't do debt anymore. So buying that, I'm saving to buy a vacation home. Pretty much um, live my life doing things and helping people, providing in ways that I've never provided for, for my for my friends, for my um, employees, for my mom, um, to be able to have a better life. She, my mother is getting older and and having money, just having this, you know, the, the financial freedom also means that my family gets to benefit things they wouldn't otherwise have had. You know, I'm able to provide a nurse to take care, you know, a caretaker to, to take care of my mom in her old days and, and doing things that I probably would not ever be able to do. So so those are the things that I'm working, striving towards, be a better employer for my employees, providing them with more because now I don't have debt. I could just give them more incentives and give them um, raises that I probably would not and would not have been able to have I had, you know, when I had so much debt and so much responsibilities. So those are the things that now I'm going to be working towards, really. Yeah. And and you mentioned the business, Martin, that's your own uh, chiropractic business, right? Yes, it is. 100%. That you, did you start it or you bought it? I started, you started, I started it. from okay. scratch, yes. Okay. And you also mentioned you, you got up, I mean, I know you talked about debt earlier in the interview with Jace, but your debt got up to 700000 you said. 300000 yes. of it was student loans. Yes. What was the other four hundred? Was that a, a home or a mixture My of a home and credit home. cards or? My personal home, I didn't have any credit card debt. Personal home and my business investment property. Okay, so so real estate mortgage debt. Real estate mortgage debt, yes. Okay, and now it's all again, it's all paid off, right? It's all paid off now. Wow. So I just want to hit on one thing you, you wrote here in the note to us. You said, my dad always preached to live on less than you make and to pay everything with cash. I thought those concepts were unrealistic in America. Um, and then you go on to say, I made every stupid financial mistake imaginable. But how come you thought it was unrealistic? Just curious for your take there. Because he would say pay for everything. And then the cars that I would be interested in were at least $10,000 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> when when I was looking at this, I'm like, how am I going to save $10,000 for a car? I have to buy it. And then pay for it. It, it. And then you're thinking about buying a house, you know, you know, $150,000, is just not, it's just unthinkable. It, it, where are you going to find that money to pay for it cash? I just didn't think, I thought this was the, the his Haitian mentality, his way of thinking that you could pay for it cash. But for me, it was not, it was not going to be something that I would be able to do because the things that I want was so much more money compared to the things that he wanted. My dad was very simple. He lived a very, very simple, very frugal life. And of course I was frugal too, but to a certain degree, <laughs> it was just not imaginable that you could buy a house for, you know, for, I never even thought it was just possible to do. 
unimaginable to buy a house cash. And he's telling me you need to save cash and buy this house. I'm thinking I'll be a hundred by the time I'll be able to buy this house. (laughs) (laughs) Is he still alive? No, my dad passed away two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Yes. And it was so, it was so amazing. I mean, he passed away, of course, the sadness of it. And of course we, I didn't need it at the time. My, my siblings are doing very well for themselves. Um, also, but my dad, who never really made a whole lot of money, maybe $30,000 a year was towards the latter part of his career as a cab driver, he left us $300,000. Wow. Well, he must yeah. have been proud of you. Oh, he was. He was very proud. My dad was very proud of me. He wouldn't tell me to my face because, you know, in our culture, you can't just you know, <laughs> gloat over your kids like that. But he would tell his friends that he's so proud of me. He's so proud of me. And yeah. I've done well for myself. Yeah, but he, yeah. Yeah. So what what did you get your undergrad? What was your degree undergrad in? I went to so many different schools, but my undergrad ended up uh, being in uh, biology. Biology. And and biology. You did a master's and a doctorate. No, I did just a doctorate. Just a doctorate um, in chiropractic. Yes. So and, let me let me ask you a personal question here on the story. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you you became a single mom right at the age of nineteen, and your dad kind of cut you off financially, and and obviously that was a struggle in terms of finding a job. You didn't have your green card until twenty six. Trying probably to find where to live, who to take care. You know all those things you you mentioned in your story. Looking back, do you feel like that may have been a good thing in your life and a turning point to the sense that it made you figure out who you wanted to be, what you stand for, you know, to go and get this education? You talked about how you wanted to give her a life, right? A a better future. Oh, it was a very good thing. (laughs) It was a very good thing because we don't pick and choose the same way I couldn't pick and choose my family. Uh, my daughter couldn't pick and choose her family. It was this pretty much, hey, she's born into into this family. She's born into this is how she was meant to come to the world, and and that's how I, that's what I believe. And of course, she was a very strong driving force to my success. Very strong driving. Yeah, force. yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. I mean, of course, it was a good thing you brought her in, but at the time, it was probably a struggle and. and- you, oh, he you was. To your dad being upset, and anyway. Oh yeah, he was upset. My, I mean, just imagine. My dad was very active in church, and that's not what you do. And <laughs> you in church, that's not what you do. And and just even if I, if he wasn't in church, it's just not what you do at 19 years old. You go to school, especially. He had such big aspiration for me. My dad pretty much was so disappointed, and just to see my dad being disappointed because we were very close. We were, um, you know, literally inseparable. And for him, it was this kind of betrayal to, to just do this. It wasn't something that I did this to myself. I did this to the family. And and he let it be known. He made me know that he was he was just ashamed of me. And it, it was it was to me a big sort of emotional toll to have my dad tell me that not only he's embarrassed of me, but that I have shamed the family. And Everything well, and, and at done. such a young age. And at such a young age, yes. And everything I did going forward was to wrong that, it was to right that wrong <laughs> to make sure that I never do it again. <laughs> My daughter's still the only child I have. <laughs> And, wow. and it just did. I never wanted to just make my dad just shame of me anymore. I just that it was a huge turning point for me that 
you need to do what you need to do when you you know these are the reasons your family is when you do wrong it's not just your you that it affects it affects your whole family and i that was a huge turning point for me in the drive of my success also so in a way it's kind of like a cash yeah that's too. what i was hinting at is did it kind of kickstart the success a little bit Yes, definitely. Definitely yeah. was. Definitely so was. So let's just, in wrapping up, Martine, I mean, obviously we spent 40 minutes or 35 minutes or so here hearing the story. If somebody were to ask you, though, maybe they didn't know all of the story and they said, hey, you know, you're an immigrant, minority woman, single mom. How did you do this? How have you, you know, you have a net worth of $1.5 million. How did you do this? What would you say? I would say persistence. I would say living, definitely living below my means. And I would say that knocking on doors and, and um, even when they tell you no, they're not going to keep telling me no. Somebody's going to open a door and just not set um, sort of limitations for myself. Definitely would say that. Don't set any limitations. Keep going. When when things go wrong, it may be wrong today. It won't be wrong tomorrow. You have to keep going. You have to keep moving. You are not defined by the mistakes you made when you were 19. You are not defined by the um, poor things that happened to you or the uh, family that you born in that is dysfunctional. You are defined by who you are now. And it doesn't have to be um, thinking of the past. The past will take care of itself. The past already happened. But you have to take care of yourself now and move forward. If one door closes, knock, keep knocking, another door will open. Wow, pretty amazing. And and does your daughter appreciate this story? I hope so. How are you teaching her about all this yes, going forward? My my daughter has done very well for herself. She's a registered nurse. She makes well over six figures. I told her it's just like for me it's different because I came upon financial independence way later. So when she lived with me, and I'm happy that, that that it happened like that, because when she lived with me, we were living paycheck to paycheck. We, I didn't have much, so I couldn't provide for her some of the things that I probably would have done now. So we were pretty much, she grew up not having certain things, not having labels or expensive clothing or expensive things that don't matter. So she learned early on to appreciate money. And um, she went to Dave Ramsey's um, Financial Peace University as well. She bought her house. She bought a condo and she lives in, she bought her condo. I did help her buy the condo, but that's, that's as much as I, I have done for her. She has um, student loans that I told her that I'm not going to pay for her for the student loans. She makes enough money to be able to pay for her student loans herself, to pay them off. And and she's 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 in a good trajectory she's she's doing very well for herself so is this a matter of time before she pays off her student loan and and moving on and being debt free also it's just a matter of yeah. time so what are you going to do with this money because you're going to keep working and the net worth is going to continue to grow you're going to give, give it, it away, away. you're going to leave it to your daughter spend it um, what's your thinking uh, i'm thinking leaving some to my daughter some to other family members and of course Charity has always been a big thing. Giving to other to charity has always been a big thing for my family. So having doesn't necessarily mean that I get to live this lavish lifestyle, but it also means that I could just give, you know, abundantly and and keep giving. We I do have a lot of charities that I I already give to, and I'm gonna continue to give to charity and and start start living really start enjoying some of this 
some of this money really and truly I haven't, I don't feel like I have been enjoying um, yeah. the fruits of my labor as much as I should be because I work a lot and um, maybe slowing things down. Well, that, that was going to yeah. be my question is, do you feel like, I mean, is it hard to spend the money? Because you came to the U.S. at 14, grew up in Haiti, lived in poverty, you mentioned most of your life until the business started getting going and you got out of debt. Is it hard to spend money for you? Yes and no. It's hard to spend on certain things. It's hard to spend on certain, yeah, some things that I, I feel like I, I could spend on, um, like vacations. <laughs> yeah, I like to have that kind of experience. So I, it's okay for me. But for, for depreciating assets like clothes and furniture and stuff like that, it's just, no, it's hard for me to spend on those. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up here uh, with a couple rapid fire questions. So what's the most expensive car you've ever purchased? My current car is RAV4 2017 and I paid 35000 for it. All cash? All cash. Okay. What about your most expensive vacation? Oh, geez. That's a good one. The most expensive vacation probably was 2500 Okay. Do you still use your financial advisor? I, I, yes, I do. Okay. Do you budget? Yes and no. And All right. Somewhere in, be- say, somewhere in between. Somewhere yeah. in between. I have a cap <laughs> that I have to save and then the rest is just like, okay, once I save that, then um, I pay my bills yearly, by the way. I don't, yeah. I pay all my personal bills, my house expenses, I pay them yearly. Then after that, I have a cap that I save, and then the rest of it is is for whatever comes. Spending. All right. Well, how much do you spend a year, annual household spending? About $30,000. That's low. You're saving money. (laughs) Yeah, that's very low. What about income, as much as you're comfortable sharing range of household income through your work in life? Um, I would say from maybe five to $6,000 a year, or maybe $3,000 when I first started working. In New York, three thousand to two seventy. Good for you, amazing. And last question: What does it mean to you to be happy or fulfilled? And has the money brought happiness? Oh, geez, that's a good question. To be happy means that I could travel, I could provide for family, I could do things and not think about money doing it. I could give to charity and not and not thinking about it. And the money did bring some happiness because it allowed me to do things that I've always wanted to do, which is to to provide and take care of other people. It allows me to do that. Yeah. Great answer. Do they know do they know you're a millionaire? Friends, family? Some think they know. They they know they don't know exactly where I am. <laughs> I you like know, that. Always, they, they think they, they yeah. know. They think they know. <laughs> they think they know because, you know, they know that I'm a doctor, you know, being a doctor, even when you're broke, they think uh, being a doctor means that you are financially secure. Um, but some of them have an idea, but I have not confirmed anything. Gotcha. Makes sense. Alrighty. Well, amazing interview and amazing story. So congratulations on your thank success. You. Well done. I mean, what an, what an inspiration. So thanks for coming on and reaching out. Thanks for being willing to share your story. We really, really it was an honor. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Martin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. 
For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.